Welcome to the show, Paul George, here in studio with my friend and partner in crime, Adam Conk. Adam, how you doing? Great, but you know, I didn't agree to crime. <laughs> well, we haven't that's, committed a that's crime a new yet. one. Uh, but some people would say the show was not in the contract. <laughs> some people would say the show is criminal. We need to be punished for the show. Yeah, exactly. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good. Uh, can I say that we missed last week? Yeah. Can I say that? Oh yeah, we did. We yeah. missed last week. Yeah. I missed it. Yeah, and here's why. I'm just going to tell everybody because I can't Sounds lie. Good. I'm pretty transparent. Yeah, and of course, every truth you have to say. You can't leave it unsaid. Right. So the stomach bug went through your house. Yeah. Yeah, this and is one of those beautiful things about the big Catholic family thing. Yeah, is that when you get a contagious disease, it lasts a while. Yeah, so it started with one, and then it just kind yeah. of domino effect through Correct. everyone. And it's then a two week process. I was on my way to the studio last week, and you called and said, "Hey, this isn't happen. This isn't gonna. This is not gonna happen." <laughs> <laughs> and then I heard a bunch of noises, and then I was like, "Yeah, yeah, you should just hang up the phone." Yeah, and sometimes you just gotta you just gotta call it in. Lord, I can't make it. Yeah, yeah, Lord, I need you. But what's cool is he knows that already, and so he provides every need, even when you have to. Have be you in ever your been room. so sick? You know, like so sick, and you know, I'm not gonna details of the sickness, but uh, that you're literally like praying it would go away. Like it just hurts so bad. Lord, why? Yeah. <laughs> why me? <laughs> why now? Why this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it's a special aspect of faith. In those moments, you can you can carry on. Everybody knows the feeling, and particularly, <laughs> it's always scary in a family because one person gets it, and then everybody is just like on edge. Yeah, it's like oh no, you know. And what I found as a parent, those types of sicknesses aren't as like why God or what you know, but <laughs> it's when maybe you go to the doctor and they test something, and it, it's not a quick, easy answer. Right. It's like, oh, we have to do more tests. Those are scary. Your mind yeah, yeah. starts wandering so yeah, much. It's one thing. It's like the stomach bug or the flu. That's what I'm talking about. Like you just, yeah. It goes through the house, and you know it's going to pass. Yeah. But when you have it, it's like crazy. Why, Lord, why? My Lord, why? Well, the other thing, cool thing about being um, Catholic is you could do fun Catholic things like in just a few days here in Lafayette, Paul. Yes. A very fun Catholic thing is happening. What is that? Well, it's the world's only... Eucharistic boat procession. Yeah, so check this out. So for those of you who are listening on the podcast or somewhere else, uh, right here in Lafayette, Louisiana, which is one of the most Catholic cities in the country, here we are. We have a Eucharistic procession going down the bayou. Yes, which if you don't know, a bayou is a body of water similar to a river. Similar to a river, which actually is floating down a river, the Vermilion River. Correct. So a river actually has water that flows. A bayou is like a river, but it doesn't. The water is is kind of stable. It doesn't flow. That's the difference. Is it? Yeah. I never even questioned it. I'm like, yep. that's a bayou, that's a river. That's all I need to know. <laughs> we call everything a bayou here, though. <laughs> that's true. But yeah, it's, it's going down the main river that goes through our city. Yeah. A lot of cities are built on you know around rivers yep. for obvious reasons. Ours is the same. And this is a expression of faith that Father Michael Champagne, who's the superior of the community of Jesus Crucified, based here in Lafayette, he had this idea, you know, a few years ago, why not go down the river with Jesus in a huge 20-foot monstrance that they build, and everybody can come out. And they did, and they do come out. This is the fourth year it's being done, and it's an amazing display of faith right 
in the middle of it. And so that's where it'll be in, in a few days, in the middle of downtown Lafayette. Okay, so what's the date? August 15th. August Feast 15th, 2018. Feast of the Assumption. Uh, you can find out the information. And we're not just try, trying to promote this event for the sake of like, no, this is like really cool and amazing. So if you're from even from out of town uh, or in the area, you got to come check this out. I mean, this is sort of like when you go to Europe and Italy or Spain, and they have these ancient traditions of like processions that they do that's connected with their culture. Yeah. All right. So if you've ever seen this or experienced it, you're like, this is this is amazing. This is like crazy. This is the church in its own unique way, in its own unique culture. This is a way to actually experience the church in a very unique way, in a very unique culture, which is the Cajun culture. And uh, so Father Champagne is <laughs> processing with the Eucharist, Jesus Christ, uh, body, blood, soul, and divinity, and the monstrance in a pontoon boat. Right, and followed by about a hundred or more other boats. Yeah, so there's a boat right that represents like every parish. Yeah, it's a sign of unity, sign of the church, sign of the Cajun culture. Uh, but more than anything, a sign that that Christ is alive, present, and um, wants to to be a part of our lives and a part of our diocese, a part of our cities, a part of our homes. And I haven't even told you this yet because I just saw Father Champagne. So this is top. This is great news for your listeners. Top secret information. That's yeah. News release, what is it? Great news for your listeners, because let's say they live in Nebraska or Uganda, which I know you have listeners in both of those places. I do. It'll be broadcasted on the Diocese of Lafayette's website throughout the day. Father Champagne, who apparently knows people in high places, has gotten the Pope to give delegation for a papal blessing to our bishop mm -hmm. for all those present in person, but also over the air. So if, if they're watching on dialaf.org, for example, that's the website, or just Google Diocese of Lafayette, and you watch the closing mass at 5.30 p.m. Central Time, at yeah. the end of it, basically the, the blessing that Bishop Desitel gives is a papal blessing. So it's like being blessed by the Pope, the same graces, and it's a plenary indulgence. And so it's pretty rare and awesome, um, but... Yeah, for those of us present, it's like we're with the Pope at that moment. The blessing we'll get. Pretty neato. Yeah, it is pretty neat. And, you know, honestly, Adam, like, I, th I think it's at the perfect time. And I say this in, in, in like, the most uh, respectful way. But, you know, for us as Catholics, like, just when we hear things of the church scandal and mm -hmm. sort of the things in the church that are really ugly and we don't like and we're still super mad about and upset about and we want answers about like when we all those things are kind of bubbling and boiling and festering right now as you mm -hmm. talk to people and uh you know i'm not going to not talk about those things or name those feelings or things like that this comes at the perfect time because this is this is the church that that is good that is alive that is real that is community that is authentic that is beautiful that is holy this is the church that is unified that is um universal it's this is the church that we love and want to be a part of yeah and i think a lot of times we can get lost in the dysfunction of things and instead of kind of pulling out and seeing the big picture and this comes out at a great time uh, so it's wednesday august 15th um people can get information actually it says call father shop which is hysterical and <laughs> you want his phone number <laughs> phone number but uh uh and and the email but is it on a specific website that they can find out well the website's in french and even french people struggle with it so i would suggest just googling 
Eucharistic Boat Procession, Lafayette, Louisiana. Yeah, so it's called Fête. Fête de de Vermillion. Fête de de Vermillion. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's French. Yeah, it's impressive. And then they end with a, a, a foot procession um, through downtown. Yeah, this is going to be great. I mean, city, streets that are not used to being closed down for stuff like this yep. are going to be closed And down. then they end at the, the mother church, the cathedral. The cathedral, yeah. Uh, St. John's Cathedral in downtown Lafayette, and then... The papal blessing, and then uh, actually a little Cajun band and having fun for about an hour after Yee-haw. that. Yee-haw. That's pretty cool. Well, you're right, and I think the reason why this event is so healthy and good and what everything that's great about the church is because it's all about Jesus, like from the word go. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the star of the show. And not yep. that Jesus wants to be the star, but the thing is we're serving him and worshiping him and loving each other because we love him all day. And it's beautiful. And and that's exactly, I think, at the root of everything, is that when Jesus is at the center and we're not, everything goes fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we get in the way, when our own sin, when our, when our own dysfunction gets in the way and Jesus is set aside, pushed aside, um, that's when things go awry. And you can talk about that as an individual. You can talk about that as a family. You can talk about that as a couple. You can talk about that as a clergy, as a church. Uh, when, when Jesus is not the center, illuminating everything in our life and a part of everything, things go south. Yes, and they just literally do. hell in a handbasket. Yeah, literally. Yeah, and and uh, I get it. We're all imperfect, I, but but here's the thing about our imperfection, and we're not. Jesus doesn't just say, "Yeah, you're imperfect." I don't have an answer for that. Jesus says, "Yeah, you're imperfect. I'm the answer. I mm-hmm. am the answer to that. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And I want to come into your life, illuminate your imperfections, so that you can can grab hold of me, and I can be at the center of your life. And I'm actually the one that's walking with you through life." Yeah, this reminds me. Just a few days ago at Mass, the Gospel was Peter on the water, right? And it's not a mature disciple is not someone who never wavers in faith or struggles or anything like that. Right. A mature disciple is the one who, when they realize that there's an issue yes. in their life, they turn to Jesus immediately, like Peter, Lord, save me. Yes. And when we're not a mature disciple, we create an enemy out of someone else or say it's someone else's problem. But the answer is always going to be, if there is an issue, I go to Jesus. It really is that simple. Yeah. Yeah, it if is. It's, if it's an issue with me, um, you know, tension in my life, a relationship problem, and I don't know what to do about it, go straight to Jesus. Yeah, and uh, just happened to be at Mass, the daily Mass of that reading, and Father Champon, who we were talking about, um, was full actually circle. full, full circle, circle. Uh, given given the homily, and he he made just a such a simple, profound point about that gospel reading of Jesus, uh, Peter walking on water, and Jesus walking on water, and Peter coming out. And he simply said this. He says, every time we say yes to Jesus, we walk on water. Mm. So simple. And sometimes we complicate it and we think, you know, I can never walk on water. And every time we just say yes to Jesus in faith, we're walking on water. So anyway, it's all about him. It is. So a bunch of water walkers. It's the show. Paul and Adam here. Discovering the Art of Living. We'll be right back. <laughs> God bless. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs 
while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George here with my good friend and recurring guest, Chris Faddis, all the way from Phoenix, Arizona. Chris, how you doing, man? Hey, doing really well, Paul. Good. good. Dude, I always love uh, chatting with you because we just get right down to business. But I did want to fill you in on something unique that's happening here in Louisiana. So you're going to love this, okay? Um, so check this out. So next week, um, we are having a Eucharistic procession through our diocese and through the city of Lafayette. Okay. Are you following me? Yeah, I'm with you. Okay. And so, uh, the Eucharistic procession though, however, is going to be on a pontoon boat floating down a river. Uh, and it's, it's a Cajun, uh, Eucharistic procession. So there's all these boats coming down the river as a Eucharistic procession. How cool is Can that? Can I just ask you, is there going to be a Zydeco band on the back of that boat? <laughs> so so or it ends. going to be? So they parked a boat, and then they have a procession through foot through downtown Lafayette, and then they end at the cathedral, they do a blessing, and then there's a Cajun band that plays after, and there's a big party. That's amazing. How awesome is that? Dude, I want to go. Like, that sounds amazing. Who could have ever thought you could make a Eucharistic procession that amazing? Yeah, I know. I mean, after I mean, it's amazing because Jesus is there. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, to then make all the other parts like <laughs> a pontoon boat, like for real. Yeah. So this is what's unique this is about. Why I love you, people. This is what's unique about uh, you know having a specific culture where the faith, uh, you know, comes alive within the culture. You know, and the, and the culture has a unique spin in a sense of the faith, but Jesus is at the center. And I remember living in Phoenix, Arizona, and um, you know, it was the first time I lived in an area with a high population of Hispanics, right? And uh, just seeing, like, the the Hispanic community and the traditions and the things that they would do uh, in regards to incorporating the faith. And I just found it so beautiful. And I just think when culture uh, is un- united with the faith and Jesus is at the center, it's like the most beautiful thing about the culture. Oh, totally, totally. And when you look at all the best cultures, like the ones that everyone wants to be, like, you know, emulate and be a part of, it's always the ones that are that are Catholic. Yeah. Because so much of our faith is tangible and, and realizable and touchable and, you know, sacramental, you know, so it's, it it ties so well to all these great just traditions that, that cultures have, you know, and it, it's, um, it's amazing what kind of experience, like, yeah, I mean, I, and I'm, I, I'm kind of having a hard time not, not Googling right now for flights to go to this procession. Uh, just, we, just let you know. Yeah, so it's August 14th, um, 15th, August 15th, uh, it'll be here. But yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, why wouldn't you want to do something like this? And it just reminds me of like all the cultures, you know, when you go to Europe and you see this and like the streets of Italy when they do these processions. And it's just such this moment where basically the church is saying that Jesus, we're, we're reclaiming Jesus as the center of our lives, the center of our city, the center of our diocese, you know, and, you know, in the midst of all... I guess you could say turmoil in the church right now, Chris, and you know some of the scandal stuff kind of resurfacing and the negativity 
something like this reminds me of the beauty of the church and the fact that in the midst of everything, Jesus is alive and Jesus is still, the, should be the center of our lives. Absolutely. Yeah, in the center of our family, which is why this whole, like, the, the, our celebrations and our, like, how awesome is that to have a faith where when these big holy days come, it's not, you know, we do have our times for, for some, you know, somberness and sobriety and calmness, but we also have these times for celebration where the church calls us to celebrate, that we, we need to, you know, to celebrate. And, that's, and to have our families centered around that, um, it's really beautiful. It really is. Yeah, and I don't know. I'm just reminded that, uh, you know, in the midst of this time, like, I, I need to, uh, you know, what does it look? I need to have Jesus at the center always. And, and when, when I begin to, to drift or, or whatever, like, I need to surround myself with people who are helping me to become holy and have Jesus at the center. Uh, you and I have talked about this, but I think people who are listening, whether you're, whether you're clergy, whether you're single, whether you're married— you know, whatever vocation you're landing in, whether you're a business owner, whether you work in business, whatever your job or state of life is, I think oftentimes we think Jesus is over there, but the way our faith works is that Jesus should be at the very center of our lives and in everything that we do. Uh, and you and I were talking off air is, uh, you know, in your work with Solidarity uh, HealthShare, uh, you guys are... are um, you know, a Catholic company, but you're not just Catholic company by name. Like even as a corporation, as a business, you're trying to, to always come back to the fact that Jesus is at the center of what we do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think it's, I mean, to go back real quick to family, I think it's one of those pieces where I'm realizing even in my own family, you know, family went through kind of a, a big change this year and that my kids are um, are not going to the Catholic school uh, in our community anymore, and they're now going to a public school, which which was a decision really based on, you know, the educational needs of, of both my kids and, and needing some other things, and so we felt like it was the right time. And they have a great faith, and our family's centered on our faith. But one of the things that I realized after two weeks, we, we have year-round school, so they started a couple weeks ago, and, you know, we're we're there, and I realized, like, okay, I'm noticing that my kids are, are lacking because they no longer have that faith aspect of school, and so we had to make a decision as a family, like, am I going to go to Mass early by myself and then go to the office, or now that they start school later, are we going to go as a family, you know? And so trying to make that commitment and carve out that time in the morning, get up a little bit earlier so we can go to Mass as a family, so we can keep Jesus at the center, you know? It's so incredibly important. And and I think what we do in solidarity is that same piece with our employees. Now, our employees are not required to be Catholic, um, but they are, you know, it is a piece. We, we are a religious nonprofit, and so we're able to ask them if they are of faith or not and, and ask them if they're comfortable with the faith aspect of what we do, if they're comfortable praying with the team and all of those things. And so in doing that, it's allowed us to have the freedom to put Jesus at the center of our office. And so every day, you know, one of the most basic things is every day they pray together as a team hmm. for our members uh, and for their needs, which is, which is of itself is amazing, but... Then we can do things like, you know, we have a new group that's, that's training this week at the end of their training. And so, you know, this morning, as I spent time with them, I was able to, to take a half an hour, and actually just before we got on this, this interview, take a half an hour with them and, and reflect on something that um, was really important to me to understand my mission and what I'm doing in solidarity. And so kind of helping them, you know, and encouraging them to reflect on a phrase 
in a, in a psalm that, that I thought would be good for them. And in and, and doing that, really just putting at that forefront, sure, we want them to be, they have to be good. They have to be good employees. They have to treat our members well. They have to be kind. They have to, you know, um, serve with excellence and do things the right way. But also, they need to be centered on Christ because our mission is greater than just providing a healthcare product, you know? Yeah, um, and, and it really has kind of turned, uh, turned our office on its head as far as what really is the focus. And it's, it's an amazing, amazing thing to do it that way. Yeah, I mean, in my consulting work with churches and religious nonprofits, I, I work with places or talk to places that, uh, you know, as a religious organization— as, as a Catholic parish, as, as a Catholic organization, or whatever it is, uh, that they don't even pray. They don't even pray as a staff. Pray and discern right. the direction right. that they're going, or pray every day as a staff, or even once a week. And it's like, you might have individuals who are praying, but corporately praying together. And I think, you know, that's what's in a part, like the unhealthiness of the church is the fact that we're not, we're not making Jesus the center in everything that we're doing. We're not praying together. We're not visioning. Uh, with Jesus at the center, we're not setting our mission statements with Jesus at the center, and then we just drift away, and then all of a sudden something hits, and we're like, well, how did that happen? And the right. fact that you guys are saying, hey, as an organization, like, I know it's complicated, and I know we're busy, but in the midst of our day, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for our members, and God's going to be at the center. We're certainly not going to be perfect in everything we do, but God's leading us. And if more churches and organizations who, who proclaim to be religious and Catholic would actually do that and say that, they would find that they would gain more traction um, in their outreach and in what they're trying to accomplish than anything else. Uh, don't work yeah, more, pray absolutely. more. And the more you pray, then God's going to establish uh, the right work and the right direction and the right agenda and, and everything for you. Yeah, you know, I think it, it. I don't remember who used to say that. Is it Mother Teresa that used to say, you know, meet, you know, meet less, pray often, or something? I don't remember who it was, but I remember people used to tell me that all the time. And I'm like, no, 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 we got to have meetings. You know, like even as a youth minister, I'm like, no, we got a plan. You know, we got work to do. We got to make this excellent. And um, and realizing now, you know, the importance of that. And certainly, you still do have to do those things. But but the prayer piece, when you get off track, it's so important. When you get off track, it's important to recognize that. To, you know, and I, I think about it. I know you and I talk about marriage a lot, but even in your marriage, you know, you start to realize you, you and your spouse are, are off. <laughs> something's off. Something's detached. And, and oftentimes, you can look straight to prayer and be like, "No, we're not really praying together." You know. Um, but I think it's important that that you keep that center. And and you know, I obviously you and I have the the privilege of being able to work in a. Um, in, in a faith-based environment in both of our lives. So it's a little easier for us, right, in our work environment. But I think it's so important for people to look at how can I center Christ in my day, whether it's maybe going to daily mass, as a, at, you know, even if you're in business or whatever, finding a mass near you that you can get to, going to work a little bit earlier so that you can go to mass daily. Um, you know, I've realized for me, I have a really hard time anymore, Paul, focusing on prayer for a long period of time. And um, because my mind can wander so easily into the, all the myriad of distractions and responsibilities I have, you know. And so for me, I've just realized that daily Mass is the way for me to get my prayer every day, at the very minimum. It doesn't mean I don't do anything else, but at the very minimum, daily Mass helps me that, to have that center. Um, and, and, you know, I don't make it every day, but I do my best. And, and that the more I go, the more centered I am, you know. And I think 
folks have to find that. For other people, it's the rosary, and they can really zone out and focus on the rosary, um, you know, and, and do that. So I think it's important you find that center, that, that piece that does keep you centered on Christ for yourself, but then also for your family, for your workplace, for your coworkers, for your, you know, the people you're in ministry with. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of the Church, is that it's got, you know, the sacraments that help us to center, to recenter. you know, Mass, reconciliation, uh, the grace of our sacraments from baptism and confirmation, and if you're married, like, those are the things that, that recenter us and refocus, and, you know, these sacraments are outward signs of God's presence in our lives, and so we can look at the Eucharist and receive it, and it just refocuses our lives, and uh, and recenters is reconciliation, of course, bringing us back from 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 our, our fallen state and sinful ways, and you know, reminding us who we are as as, as sons and daughters of God. And we we've got to be constantly reminded of that because, honestly, as humans, we forget, you know. And um, yeah. you know, I, I often just you know, every time in Mass where the priest says, "Do this in memory of me," you know, the words in memory and memory. It's because God wants to remind us. Why? Because we forget. Mm-hmm. We're forgetful people, and God wants to remind us of who we are and who he is more importantly and having Jesus at the center of our lives and in everything we do you know um, Adam and I were talking in the first segment like it's it sometimes we overcomplicate it we overcomplicate the fact that Jesus just wants to be the center of our lives and we simply just lock into some prayer the sacraments surround ourselves with good people who are reminding us what life's all about who God is um, you know it's it's not as complicated as we often make it. Right, right. And that's one of the great things, too, just to, another aside about the Mass, is how much what I love about the Mass for that purpose is it pulls you out of yourself. It's so easy when we pray to focus on ourselves, which isn't a bad thing. I don't think it's evil to focus on yourself or to talk to God about your needs. But when you go to Mass, you, you, you realize that you're not praying about yourself. You're praying, you're praying the words that are centered you on God and on Christ and on His promise. And as you do that, I think it kind of pulls you out of those daily worries. Because sometimes we can get into prayer where we're just basically meditating on our worry, <laughs> yep. you know, and instead, yep. of, instead of meditating on Christ's promise. And Mass is one of those places where it's so easy to just send, get into that. And, and you know, as we're, reflect, as we're saying the words, as the priest is saying the words of the Mass, um, we're not focused on ourselves anymore. We're, spoke, we're focused on, on the divine and really on the mystery of Christ. And so, yeah, I know it's, it's an amazing gift, and i, I got to say, um, you know, I know I'm the I'm the, the the main boss at this organization, but it truly is one of the most fulfilling. It has to be the most fulfilling workplace I've ever been in, uh, because we centered our our organization on Christ um, from day one, and we have folks who have come on who aren't even Catholic yet. They're praying every day, they're participating, they love it, and they want to be a part of this environment. And so we're actually able to encourage them and and hopefully inspire them to their faith. That's great. That's great, Chris. This is this is great, and for those of you listening, um, you can find Chris and um, their organization, uh, SolidarityHealthShare.org. They provide a wonderful means of health sharing um, with our Catholic morals and values at its center. So look them up, check them out. Chris, thanks for taking the time, man, chatting with me today. God bless, Paul. Thanks for having me. All right, bro. Have a good one. I'll talk to you again soon. All right, you too. Talk to you soon. Bye.
The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George, Adam Conk. Adam, great interview with Chris. Yeah, I mean, what's more important than Jesus? Yeah, no, it's good just to kind of continue the conversation that we were having earlier. I know a lot of times we kind of joke around on the show and we have some fun pieces, but we just went we do? We just went right into the conversation other than your sickness at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nothing like nothing like <laughs> nothing like being sick, but I'm great now. Yeah. I call it uh calling the porcelain gods. Oh gosh. <laughs> Holding on to that toilet, man. Uh, that's when you're just so <laughs> sick, throwing up. Uh, it's so bad. It happens. We yep. are mortal. We yep. are not God. No, it's it's in those times like I'm praying. I'm like Jesus, please <laughs> help, help me, help me, Lord. Yeah. So Chris and I was talking, and I want to you know get back into this conversation with you. It's like, what does it look like for us on a practical level to have Jesus at the center of our life? Well, one thing that's been very helpful for me is to ask the question, how is Jesus present to me? Because mm. we don't really, I don't think we think about this enough. How does Jesus say he is present to us? And I don't just mean the ways he's present, like in the Blessed Sacrament or in Scripture. I mean, when Jesus is present, what is his presence like? Right? Mm. And it's a human presence. Jesus is God in a human presence. Right. That's who he is. And so if we can relate to the Lord as a human presence of the divine who's alive right now hmm. and not a dead man in history right. or somebody who has a lot of great teachings, but who is still living, yeah. is alive right now and present to me in a human way, then I think we can begin to welcome him into our life because we have humans in our life everywhere we go in our family, at work, at Mass. And so this is not an unfamiliar thing for us to have a human presence within the context of our life. And so, um, for example, Christ is present to me the way human, other human beings are. He's here to teach me, right? Right. Like, like my mentors or my parents teach me. He's here to love me the way my wife loves me. So he's here... Uh, to be this presence in my life, and it, I can either be attentive to this presence, this presence, this presence, and respond to it, or I can ignore them, just like I can do other people. Yeah, and some people, uh, whether it be theologians or saints or people today, would, would call this having a friendship with Jesus. Right. And I think people would say, "Well, what does that even mean?" I'd say, "Well, what is friendship? Like good, just friendship. Somebody who makes you um, who you are when you're around them, who makes you better." I think oftentimes we think of Jesus, obviously, as God, as the divine and unapproachable. But Jesus is human, wants to be in friendship with us, relationship with us, wants to be a person who walks with us like a true friend, but 
obviously Jesus is also God. So it's a friendship uh, that makes us better, a friendship that makes us holier, a friendship that teaches us, right, the art of living. It's the friendship that walked with the disciples who made them better people. He was able to teach them a new way of living life, a life of freedom, a life of truth, a life of holiness, a life of prayer, a life of joy. Um, and that's the friendship that Jesus offers. And what does it look like to have a friendship with Jesus? The same way it would look like to have a good, healthy friendship with another person that makes you better. Yeah. This is the genius of God, because when we grasp at Him, you know, in the world religions that are not Christianity, mm -hmm. when we're grasping at Him, it's the goal is this divine presence that elevates us, right? So the genius of God is like His divinity in its fullness rests in humanity so it, we can access him right so like he's not far off or something we don't know or this other experience we're searching for he's very close to us very near to us and he's not foreign to us at mm. all he's us yes but within that relationship the desire of our hearts is actualized we become like god yeah you know yeah so be in friendship with jesus like be in relationship with you he's not far away mm -hmm. he's near uh, he's with us. And so be with Jesus like you would be with a friend. Talk to Jesus while you drive. Talk yep. to Jesus, you know, in prayer, but talk to Jesus like you would talk to anybody else and ask Jesus to be with you in every moment, in every situation, to help you in times of temptation and be with you in times of joy. Like that's what friendship is. Like I want to be in relationship with this person. And we can overcomplicate it, like we talked mm -hmm. about. We can overcomplicate this divine relationship with God, and, and I think sometimes we feel intimidated by that. And you know when we're doing that? When we start asking ourselves, are we doing things the right way? Mm -hmm. That's when we've lost it. I'm all about praising God the right way, all right? Right. Don't get me wrong. Doing it right. But when I'm focused on me adjusting myself to be acceptable to Him, right. I'm treating Him like a far-off God. Yeah. When I'm asking, Lord, what do you want from me? Yeah. He's very close to me. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And there is a difference. Absolutely. So here, here's how you know how good you are with, with a friend. Mm -hmm. Okay. You invite a friend over, and if you're really close to the friend, you don't clean up. Yeah. Just come on over. And if they're not good friends, you clean everything so that when they come over, they they think, oh, you you got it all together. Mm -hmm. And we do that, right? We have people over and we, we clean our house. But our friends who just stop by or who are really close to it, we say to ourselves, we say, we don't, we don't have to clean. Like, they know us for who we are and they love us anyway. Like, that's, that's Jesus' friendship. Can I see you and raise that? Yeah. A really good friend, you invite them over and say, hey, can you help me clean up? Because we have somebody important coming yes. later. Yes. And that's who the Lord is. He yes. helps us clean up. Yeah, the friends that I'm closest <laughs> to, even when I'm at their house... Like, I literally, they'll be, you know, cleaner. I'll just jump in with them. I'll yeah. wash their dishes. And, like, it's just like family. Like, we're, and we're friendship. And, and they're not, they're not feeling um, less than or judged because their house is a mess and I'm cleaning or vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, but we just join in the task together naturally. Mm -hmm. That's what Jesus is. He's a friend. He comes over when we're messy and he helps us clean. Um, and, you know, we can overcomplicate it. And I think, we we gotta simplify not not the we don't simplify God we we're right. simplifying the relationship right the fact that Jesus wants to be in a relationship with us and yes he's divine but he makes us holy and when we're in relationship with Jesus 
and we're in relationship with Jesus, the church makes all the sense in the world. Mm-hmm. And when we're not in relationship with Jesus, the church is very confusing. Yeah, because we think the church is a means to become perfect. Mm-hmm. And it has never been, nor will ever be such a thing. Jesus is. The church is the group of people following Jesus. Yeah. That's all the church is. Yeah. For yep. 2,000 years, this group of people has been following Jesus. Yeah. And the church isn't even the sacraments. Jesus is the sacrament. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus is the sacrament. Yep. Okay? So Jesus established the church so that we can have his presence, but it's him. Like the church draws us to Jesus, not to the church, not to the buildings. Right. We're drawn to Jesus, and that's what happens. When Jesus is at the center, the church makes all the sense in the world. When we get away from Jesus, it becomes very confusing, very yeah. confusing. And yeah. I think that's what we're seeing in the world, a lot of confusion about the church and, or about this or about that. And when, when we're drawn to Jesus and, and we're in friendship with Jesus, it, it all makes sense. The church begins to make sense. And we can see the imperfections for what they are. And they can be cause for stronger faith. And that's the thing. Our own sin and the sins of others is how cool God is, is that nothing's, nothing's beyond the, the reach of his mercy and his, his miraculous power, right? Mm-hmm. So he can take my own sin... And this, and this is, this is I think, a healthy disgust for sins that all the saints have, is that, yes, I hate my sin, but I still have a smile on my face, and I love the Lord. It's because when I think about my sin, I think about God's mercy at the same time. Right. And, like, even my sin, because it becomes a means of strengthening our relationship, right. me and Jesus' relationship. Yep. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And so there's nothing to sweat, literally. Yeah. I mean, if you were to call me or a good friend would call me, and like say, hey, can I need to talk? I totally screwed up. I did this. Like my first reaction to a good friend of mine would be, it's okay. I love you. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like that's mercy. Yeah. And then the next thing I would say is, so how can I help you? Yeah. Right? And when the Lord's asking you that question, yes. he can help a lot. Exactly. <laughs> so the first thing Jesus does is like, hey, it's okay. I love you. Mm-hmm. Now, how can I help you? How can I help you move forward? How can I help you live differently? How can I help you overcome this? Like, that's the friendship we're talking about. And yeah, for those of you who are listening and, and you're just like drawn to this conversation, I think it's because oftentimes we just are, we feel so distant from God that, yep. that having a relationship with such a divine thing doesn't make any sense. But this friendship really is what we're drawn to. Yeah, and Christianity is not a collection of merit badges. You know, it's not like we get the temperance badge and the, um, you know, fortitude badge. Right. Like we're growing in all these virtues year after year. It's a virtue checklist. It's not that, actually, because the Lord is is our holiness. The Lord is our everything. But as we follow him, we become more like him. Right. And so we do grow in holiness. We do grow in virtue. But the saints, I mean, look at St. Maria Goretti, 11 years old, martyred. Right. She didn't have much time to collect a lot of badges. Right. But, but she, she loved Jesus. She followed Jesus even into death. Virtue comes out of relationship with Jesus. Christian virtue, at least, yes. Christian virtue <laughs> comes out of relationship with Jesus where he teaches you how to live life. Yeah. Right? As we, as we reflect on him and read about him and immerse ourselves in the Gospels, and he walks with us every day, we learn how to live the life that he's calling us to live. That's virtue. That's, mm-hmm. that's the discipline of virtue. That comes out of prayer. That comes out of consistently walking with Jesus. And following him, yeah. Right. Yeah, and I mean, you know, how does he, practice being like, how does he call us? I know for me, it's helpful 
there are different ways to know something, right, Paul? Like if I said, Paul, what's your birthday? Do you even know what your birthday is? I remember. Okay. What is it? It's February 17th. Great. Good job. So you know that. It's just something you see clearly Mm -hmm. and you just know. But if I said, Paul, does Gretchen, your wife, love you? Mm -hmm. Now, you have a greater certitude about Gretchen's love, but Mm -hmm. it's not something like your birthday, that you can see it on a card and say whatever. The the deeper truths of life are beyond a lot of signs that point to it. Because how, how do you know Gretchen loves you? Obviously, she tells you, but she shows you. She's shown you for 20 years, right? Or right. more? 21? 21. 21 years. You've lived life together. Everything about your life revolving around Gretchen points to you being able to say, I am sure she loves me. This is what God's will is like. Everything in our life around us points to what the Lord wants from us. It's not like we're going to see, you know, in such and such book that the Lord wants me to do this right now, and that's why I'm doing it. But we ha- So we have to, to follow the Lord. We have to be prayerfully listening to all these aspects of our life, getting to know the Lord where he's leading us. And then we will have this in- intuition, if you will, this certitude that the Lord wants me to do something. He's calling me to be something or whatever. And we have to say yes. Right. We might be wrong. He might have said, or, you know, we go through it and like, wow, Lord, why'd you leave me there? Well, actually, I was trying. <laughs> right. But the point is we have to get started on that path. If, we've ne- if we don't live like that every day, we have to start somewhere to try to our best to say, Lord, what do you want from me? And then just go do it. Absolutely. So anyway, great discussion, man. We're kind of excited about this. Yep. And maybe, maybe the next time I see you, you'll be on a pontoon boat. Are you riding a boat? Or are you? Oh, going, yeah. You are? Yep. You're getting on a boat? Oh, yeah. Are you going to be on the main boat? No. Oh, another uh, boat? Yeah, another boat. Um, Who, whose boat? Well, actually, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law, their they're, boat. They're coming in they're, with their boat. They're coming in from an hour away to, to do the fet, and Marianne and the kids and I are going to be on that boat. You know you know it's good when they say, do the fet. <laughs> <laughs> do the fet. It's like doing Only the Only in Louisiana do you know. have a Eucharistic procession down the river. Through downtown and in yep. with a Cajun band. This is amazing. That, that's what I love about our faith and our culture. And uh, if you're not from Louisiana, come visit us either at the FET or another time. We'd love to have you. We would. Absolutely. Can they stay at your house? They can stay wherever. Okay. <laughs> wherever. wherever. Wherever they find. Wherever they find. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Paul and Adam, it's great to be with you guys today. God bless you.